What is going on, all my fight fans and all my bourbon fans, man? Thank you for joining me for another show. Bourbon and Boxing, baby. This is my episode 16. This is my Recap and Reaction Monday podcast, baby. You can find that on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and also Amazon Music. Every now and then, I'll upload the video to YouTube, but I kind of find it, you know, I try to, I'd like to do my breakdowns on my YouTube side and then do my recap on my podcast side, kind of branch it out a little bit. Uh, then I kind of advertise one on Monday, advertise the other on Friday, going into Saturday, little things like that, man. Uh, but once again, man, like I said, thank you guys for joining me, man. I am your host, Jeff. Uh, you know, I really never tell people much about myself. Uh, I come in to do my podcast, man, you know, that it is about bourbon, it is about boxing. But, you know, uh, this is also more my hobby, guys. Everything you guys hear here on this show is just my personal opinion. I am no professional by any means, uh, no Teddy Atlas. I'm not a Chris Mannix. I'm not a Dan uh, Raphael. I'm not I'm not any of those guys. I'm just a guy who does this for a hobby, man. I have four kids, and uh, I dedicate my life to my kids, uh, work, kids, and, you know, that's my life, man. I don't do much. I'll drink a little bit of bourbon on a Friday for my show just to kind of give myself a little what you call woosah, man. I, I know what you guys know what that is, man, woosah. You got to have that in life, man. Uh, you know, I've got four younger kids going from 12 all the way down to three years old, man. And, uh, you know, it can be a handful and stressful sometimes, man, when you get in the same routine over and over and over. Uh, so as a man to other other dads out there and even mothers out there, because the same thing goes for mothers as it does for dads. Anybody who has kids pretty much, man, find yourself a hobby if you don't have one, man. And, uh, it allows you to branch out and just get that little bit of peace of mind uh, that you might be seeking, man. Just throw a little monkey wrench in your routine every now and then. Uh, and that's what I do here with my podcast, man. It allows me to just come and talk about something that I really love, and I love watching boxing. So as I'm taking care of my kids throughout the day, cooking, cleaning, bathing, whatever I need to do with them, helping with homework, uh, you know, I turn on boxing in my background. You know, just listen and watch my fights, uh, you know, look for any type of news. Just something I've really loved doing since I was a kid, man. I uh, really enjoyed sports. Wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Uh, went a different route. Became a chef. I know, really different. But my love for sports never died. And I love all sports, man. I grew up probably more of a basketball fan than anything because that's what I was really, really good at. I really exceeded at basketball. And uh, it was something I gravitated towards, but I always had the love for boxing, and it was right up there for me. Uh, because, you know, as a kid in the streets, I used to like to fight. I came up, you know, in a kind of a tougher neighborhood. It, it wasn't the hood hood, but it was, you know, a lower income neighborhood pretty much. And, uh, you know, you had to fight to prove yourself, man. And uh, that's just what you did in my neighborhood. So if I had to do it, I'd do it. And I kind of enjoyed it whenever I did do it, so... It was just something that I always gravitated towards. You know, some people MMA. I always gravitated towards boxing because my grandma and them would buy all the big boxing events uh, growing up, any of the big pay-per-views, especially Mike Tyson, uh, things like that. And uh, we had, you know, WrestleMania, stuff like that. And we'd gather as a family, uncles, aunts, cousins, everybody. It was a great way to get the family together. <laughs> and that grew my love for boxing, man. And uh, that's pretty much just me, man. And that's me just kind of spitballing to you guys, man, on why I do my podcast. Get, get a little bit more insight about who I am, man, uh, what I do 
you know, and uh, why I do this show. It, to me, it doesn't even matter if anybody's listening to my show. I kind of do it more, like I said, like a, a chief actor, a woosab. You know, even if I'm just talking to myself, uh, it allows me to kind of relieve uh, any stress I might have, uh, any worries, things like that, man, and just kind of come down and have something for myself and be myself for a little bit, man. But I can't thank you guys enough for joining me. Uh, anybody who joins me every week, man, that is awesome. I appreciate you guys. Uh, anybody watches my show, I definitely appreciate it, man. And it's nothing but love for anybody joining me, man. And hopefully, like I said, if you're in your life and you got the same routine over and over, get a hobby. If it's out playing basketball, it's going out playing golf or whatever it is you do, even if you're a Jeopardy person, you know what I mean? You want to go out to the bars and do trivia night. You got to make some time for yourself, man. I tell my wife that she works a lot and uh, I tell her all the time, man, you got to take a little bit of time for yourself, man. Self-sanity, guys. But once again, man, thank you for joining me, man. Let's jump into this show before I get too, uh, you know, involved with that conversation. <laughs> Let's just go into what we saw this week. This is, of course, my Monday recap and reaction show, man, on what we saw over the weekend. We had three really good fights over the weekend, guys. We had a Friday fight and two fights on Saturday. Of course, Friday we got to see... Ashton Selvey, a uh, nice up-and-coming young guy, defeat uh, Falicio. I can't remember his first name. I don't have it written down. But that was an overall pretty good fight, man. Uh, came down to a decision with uh, Sal Salvia. He got the decision. Young guy, up-and-coming. Like what I see from him, man. Uh, and then that takes us into uh, the fight that I really liked. One of my favorite fights. My favorite fight of the week was definitely the Bawatsi vs. Uh, Dan Aziz fight. That was on Saturday on Peacock. We got that nice and early, so it didn't interrupt the Conor Ben fight and Dobson fight that was going on later on that night. We got to get all-day boxing once again, uh, which made it a great day always, right? And uh, that fight, man, that was a great fight. Uh, it went all 12 rounds. They fought. It was a great fight all the way up to around the seventh round. These guys went back and forth. It was pretty much split down the middle all the way to the seventh round. It was hard to say who was really winning the fight. And then Bawatsi, it seemed like Aziz slowed down a little bit uh, and uh, just kind of was losing stamina. And then we saw uh, Bawatsi kind of take over the fight. Two kind of weird knockdowns uh, in the 11th round, which was really weird. Uh, Aziz was saying, hey, he slipped on the uh, on in the ring on a, on a slippery spot. And it happened twice in the fight. Both could have been, I mean, it was really weird because Punches landed on both of the drops, but he did look like he slipped. It did look awkward, uh, and the both punches weren't devastating-type punches that you would think that would put him down. He'd been taking those type of punches uh, the whole fight. So it was kind of weird, and not that that determined the fight, in my opinion. I thought Bawatsi, regardless, going from the seventh round up, he won that fight easily, pretty much took over. So if he split the first you know, seven rounds or you know, had him up by, you know, 4-3 four, four, going into the eighth round. I would have, Bawati, in my opinion, won that fight overall without the two controversial knockdowns that happened in the 11th round. I still would have taken Bawati in that fight. Uh, he looked good overall, and he's now aligned himself with this win. He's aligned himself to uh, be the next in line for the uh, Better B versus uh, Demetrius Baval fight. Now, I don't know if there's a rematch clause for that fight, now, we do have a date set on that. We'll get a little bit more into it. Uh, supposedly, June 1st, contracts are still into talk. Stuff's still being signed. 
and some other news on that. But he has aligned himself now to be the next in line to fight for the unification of the uh, lightweight division with his win over Dan Aziz. And these two are lifetime friends, man. They've been lifetime sparring partners, uh, knew each other pretty well. Uh, so you saw a lot of respect after the fight between the guys, man, um, as they both embraced each other afterwards. And it was a great fight, 12 rounds. Uh, even without the knockdowns, I still gave it to Bawatsi. Uh, nothing but love for those two, men. And Dan Aziz is going to have a great career. This is not going to hurt him at all. Uh, lost a good fight to a great fighter. So, you know, he'll continue to, we'll continue to see him do big things, I feel like. Uh, that took us into the nightcap of the Conor Ben versus uh, Peter Dobson fight. This fight now wasn't so impressive, kind of wasn't really spectacular. Uh, Peter Dobson, in my opinion, being his level, I didn't know what to really expect from him coming in. He's on the Peter fighter, uh, I think, out of New York. So I didn't know really what to expect from him. To me, he's a flat-footed, slow-foot uh, fighter. He's not very active in the ring. And I think that's what hurts him. He doesn't throw enough punches. He does show that he might have a little bit of power. Uh, he might have good instinct on punches, but he just doesn't throw the punches. So we're never really going to find out uh, in that case. So Connor Ben, who he landed some really heavy punches on Dobson, you know, dominated the fight. I wouldn't, there was no, I don't think he could have even really given around to Dobson. Uh, in my opinion, it could have been, you know, an easily unanimous decision for Ben, which it was, you know, all three cards in his favor. Uh, but I thought he absolutely, I, I don't think he could have even given maybe two two rounds to uh, Dobson if, if, if he wanted to be kind. But I just feel like uh, that level, he says it wasn't up to the level of Ben, and then Ben didn't look that great in this fight. Now, I was reminded that he has, he's not fighting at the welterweight division. Uh, he's fighting, his last fight before this was 154. Maybe that's why he didn't knock that guy out. Then this fight, he, they weighed in about 150. Uh, the fighters did for, I guess, the catch weight of this fight. So he didn't fight at his natural welterweight uh, weight in his last couple fights. So maybe that could have some factor into why we haven't seen that knockout power that we saw before. But then there's also questions behind the doping scandal that he's involved in right now and why he cannot fight over in the uh, UK. So you got that in the question. And when a guy in his last two fights who has absolutely knocked guys out devastatingly in his previously fights before the doping scandal against Chris Algier, who we saw just a vicious knockout uh, and the power that he displayed, and then now we're not seeing that power, it makes you kind of question what what might have been going on. I'm not saying he was doping. I have no clue if he was or if he wasn't, uh, you know, and how what got in the system got in the system. You know, nobody has answers for that but Ben himself. Uh, but the BBC, BBB of C, has pretty much laid their foot down that they're, you know, they're not, they haven't bent on it. They want him to explain how it got in the system. Even if he doesn't want to, they're kind of like, hey, man, we're going to put our, you're not fighting here until we find out exactly what happened. Were you doping? How that got in your system? And let's get down to this so that we can move forward. And uh, I think he would like to see himself move forward so he could go back to the UK and fight. I mean, look at the crowd that he fought in front of in Las Vegas. That's nearly a quarter of the crowd that he's used to fighting in front of over in the UK where he has a big, big following over there. He's a big name over there. Even though he can license a fight in the U.S., I mean, his last fight before that was in Orlando, Florida in a smaller venue also. So he's losing money 
and ticket sales and if he if he has any say or any money coming from those type of things, the promotional side of of the boxing, if he's getting any extra money from that type of stuff, he's definitely losing a boatload of money right now over this stuff that's going on in the UK. And just for the fact that he wants to be stubborn, more or less, so you have two hard-headed BBBFC and then a stubborn fighter who's saying, nope, I'm not budging, they're not, they're not budging. But there's supposed to be a decision made by the end of this month. Uh, hopefully, man, this kid can get back to fighting in the UK. That's where his money's at. And it sucks. That, and, but at the same time, we do want to know if you were doping or not. And if you were, then, yeah, proper punishment, I feel like, has already been displayed. He was out for a year. Most doping scandals in your first time, you might miss a year of boxing. But then you're back. You you know, you get the rights to come back and box. He's been over a year in the Britain since this happened. So, you know, his time has been paid as far as his, his time out of the ring over in the U.K. Uh, so let him back in, but maybe just get more stagnant, more tougher on his tests. I mean, anybody coming back from doping scandals should automatically be put under a microscope and take random tests when called upon, in my opinion. Uh, boxing, even if they don't have a fight scheduled, if you get caught doping, in my opinion, in the, in the sport of boxing, not only should you face uh, that year of suspension, but you should also face another year of random testing so that they can pop up anytime and test you uh, or call you in for a test. So <clears throat> I think that would fix a lot of guys from wanting to dope because then if you do, you wouldn't have the situation you had with uh, – if you had something like that in place, then, you know, who's the guy uh, we just saw, Big Baby Miller, is what they call him, Jared Miller. Uh, over there, uh, the, the big-time heavyweight boxer that's been doping for years and he's had several times where he's gotten caught, all that kind of stuff, uh, got his ass handed to him by Dubai. But anyways, Miller, maybe you wouldn't have that kind of crap going on where a guy can get caught more than one time, two times, three times, and still be in the sport of boxing. Like, if you have a, you know you know, one-time standard that we're going to suspend you for a year and then we're going to test you for a year straight randomly and you're never going to know when you're going to be tested and it can happen at any time. And you put them on a lease for two years pretty much. Uh, but, you know, hopefully that gets settled because there's some big fights down the road for him. He, you know, of course, Eddie Hearns is on him fighting uh, Chris Eubanks. He thinks that's the biggest fight in British history, which there's been a lot of big fights in British history. That's a, That is a... I think it's a big fight because of the names, but I don't think it's the biggest fight. Uh, British history or UK history, whatever. Uh, the history of England is he would tell you. But to me, uh, that is a good fight. I would definitely pay to watch that. Definitely been looking for was looking forward when it was going to happen. Uh, you you know, of course, Ben is a smaller fighter. People don't realize that, and with his lack with his lack of display of power. In his last couple fights, I would favor Eubanks in that fight, to be honest with you. But the fight that he mentioned that I thought for sure was a, would be a really good fight would be him dropping down back to welterweight at 147 and fighting Mario Bar, uh, Barros, who I think that would be a great fight, man. I love Barros as a fighter. Uh, and, you know, he's been mentioned in the fights uh, that possibly could fight Boots Ennis uh, and a couple other guys. But he's definitely a guy in the welterweight division that's going to challenge you 100%. Uh, and that would really tell us where Conor Ben was at fighting a guy like Mario Bars. I would love to see that fight before I saw the Chris Eubanks fight because I just think he's too small for Eubanks, and I think Eubanks is going to knock him out. He just doesn't have that power. And all right, man, let's get into some other news, man. Uh, 
after those fights. Those are, they had some good undercards on there, too. Uh, got to see a guy from America, Williams, who looked really good. Uh, we got to see another guy, Cole, who I saw that looked pretty good over the weekend. Uh, can't remember the guy's name on the zone that I saw. A younger guy looked really good. Uh, I don't know what division he might have been in, but, man, he looked absolutely awesome. Uh, and I wish I, I remembered his name. I'll look back over. I couldn't find the recap for for that, even though I did get a chance to watch it. Uh, but also now let's that's after all this that takes us in to something really cool this weekend, guys. Uh, Super Bowl weekend coming up, of course. Uh, as you have uh, you know NFL football Super Bowl coming up this weekend, so we're gonna have the big big fight this weekend on Thursday, and I'm going to go ahead and break that down and talk about that fight with you guys now uh, because I'm not going to be able to talk about it. I'll be talking about the winner of it on my Friday show, uh, recapping that fight on Friday instead of breaking it down. So I'll go ahead and talk to you guys about it, man. It is a mega, mega fight, guys. Uh, it's Thursday night. You're going to have Teofima Lopez versus uh, Jermaine Ortiz for the WBO Junior Welterweight title fight, guys. It's a co- and the co-main event is going to be Keyshawn Davis versus uh, Jose for uh, Pedraza, which those two fights right there are going to be two really good fights, man. Uh, I got to hear Teofimo talk a lot a lot this week and uh, what his expectations are for the fight. Seems to be in a really good place at this point in his life, very ready and focused for this fight. Uh, listening to him in interviews, seems like he's kind of got his uh, social life, his, his life outside of the ring uh, under control more. You know, he was going through some things. He's been in the ring. He said a lot of the, you know, fighting as much as he did, uh, I want to say in 2020, between 2020 and 2022 and 2023, kind of put a hurting on his uh, relationship with his wife and all that kind of stuff. So, sorry, guys. I had to pause the show and run upstairs for a minute. Now I'm a little out of breath. I apologize. I was trying to get back down here, uh, focus on what I was talking about with this fight. But Jermaine Ortiz, everybody knows he's a tough, Fighter, he's coming up from 135. This is not a catchweight fight, so he'll be moving up to the 140 to take on Teo. So maybe at a little bit of disadvantage. I don't know if he normally fights at 140, but the last time I saw him, I want to say, was against Lomachenko, um, and that's a 135 fight. So uh, like I said, he's a good fighter, guys. Uh, Jermaine Ortiz, I expect him to test Teofimo Lopez. And then, you know, what Teofimo are we going to get if we got the Teo against Josh Taylor? That's a dangerous guy. The tail I've actually seen in the last three fights has been really good. Even if you want to criticize his fight against Sanzar Martin, uh, who's a tough fighter. So it's hard to really, I mean, he gives everybody fits. I thought he, you know, he squeaked by in that fight, but he made the adjustments he needed to make. And I think if he fought him again, it would be different. Uh, but, you know, taking that side, uh, that fight, Aside, he looked pretty good, and and he looked really good against a guy like Josh Taylor, who uh, is one of the best out there. I mean, we'll see. Hopefully, he gets that fight against that rematch against uh, Catterall, Jack Catterall, and we can get those two in the ring with each other. But uh, I expect Teo to come out and do what Teo does, man. He's going to fill out uh, Ortiz throughout the fight, you know, and then once he gets that confidence going, you're going to see – who Teofimo Lopez is, man. He's really going to start to put on a show for you guys. Uh, one of the funnest fighters to watch out there, man. Uh, once I got hip to this guy, I was like, wow, man, he's pretty spectacular. And I favored Loma against him. 
uh, I thought, man, this guy's too young to be taking on somebody like Teofimo Lopez or taking on a guy like uh, Lomachenko. And he actually, he put a clinic on him. That Kabosa fight, I think it just, whatever was going on in his social life, boiled over into his boxing life. Obviously, he wasn't in a good state of mind. And I think he took that for granted. And uh, the more focused fighter in Kabosa won that, man. Uh, so that's why in boxing, you got to stay focused at all times. And I know it's hard to do. And it's real, not just boxing, real life, man. Uh, sometimes it's hard to stay focused on your job. Uh, if your life isn't exactly in line and in tune, uh, if everything's not going smooth, if you, you know, some of your probably, if you're having problems with your wife, your woman, uh, anything like that, man, that can spill over into your professional life too. And it's hard to, you know, separate them sometimes when you got shit on your mind, it's hard to focus on what you're supposed to do. Uh, so it's good to see, you know, him get back in that right state of mind where he should be. And that's where he's more dangerous as a fighter. Uh, for sure, and that's where we are. All, all people are more, more dangerous and more, you know, more, more of a threat when they're when they're focused on what they're doing, uh, and there's no distractions on the outside. You're able to do your job a lot better, and you and you enjoy life a lot more. And you can see that in him in the interviews that he was doing. You could really see that he was enjoying life, man. Uh, he's got a new baby boy, uh, probably about two years old now. And uh, he's, you know, he said he missed out on the early years of his life, and that might have been the situation with him and his wife. Uh, I don't speculate on what what goes on with people's personal life, but it, you know, it's great to hear him say, "Hey, I'm just enjoying being a father and getting to be a role model to my son who looks up to me." And it's just amazing to see, man. It's nothing like being a father. Like I talked to you guys in the beginning of the show, uh, you know, my first job is being a father. It's over everything in my life, so. My kids come before everything. I put them before everything. And uh, that's what you do as a father, man. You sacrifice everything about yourself for your kids. And uh, it's not a selfless act. It's not a act of kindness. It's just what, what you do uh, as a father, man. It's just what you're supposed to do. So it's good to see him enjoying that part of his life, getting to enjoy his son. And you can see it in the ring when he fights, man. You can see that joy in him, that difference in him when he's in that ring and he's fighting and he's you know, against Giles Taylor. I mean, he just made it look beautiful, and he's out there dancing, and, bah, 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 bah. and man, he made it look fun, and he makes you want to watch him. That's a Teofimo Lopez that we fell in love with, man, that charismatic type of fighter that wasn't just showboating and looked good at showboating, but he has the power and every other skill to go with it uh, to be one of the best fighters ever, man. So definitely looking forward to seeing that fight on Thursday. Uh, I expect Teo to put on some fireworks at Super Bowl weekend. Um, like I said, you got Keyshawn Davis on the undercard against Jose Pedraza on that one, and that's going to be a hell of a fight. Now, this is Davis's overall biggest test of his career against a more vet-savvy type fighter in Pedraza, who is not as dangerous as he was when he was younger, but still a dangerous type of fighter. Uh where Keyshawn's going to have to be on the top of his game. His last fight that I saw, he, you know, eh, his fight before that, he was okay. Uh, he's got to be the Keyshawn we saw earlier and uh, coming up in his career. The top of his game, just, you know, no mistakes can be made. Pedraza's going to take advantage of every mistake that he makes, and he's going to look back at this fight and know that, hey, this is one of the toughest fights he's going to have in his whole career or ever have in his career. This could either set you forward on a track of, greatness beating a beating a good vet fighter like jose pedraza and or it could set you back uh losing to a guy 
savvy bet like that and might, you know, set you back big time if you lose. Uh, let's hope he doesn't, man. I'm a big Keyshawn Davis fan, man. I love watching him. Nothing against Jose Perjaza. Per, uh, no, nothing against Jose. Love him as a fighter. And, uh, you know, I just think it's going to be a great fight overall. Uh, definitely the test that Keyshawn Davis needs at this point in his career because top rank, like I said, is not always known for testing these guys uh, early in their career. And then when they get 20 fights in, 21 fights in, they go up against a real fighter and then they struggle and they lose. So I'm glad to see him get this nice and early and uh, get that fight under his belt. Let's hope he goes out there and performs to the top level against a really good vet savvy guy, man. Tune into that on now, that is a later start time being in Las Vegas. That's going to start 10.30 here. Uh, hopefully, the undercard starts around 8 o'clock or something like that, uh, and the main card is at 10.30. That's what I'm hoping it's saying, and not that the whole card starts at 10.30 because that's going to be a long night for me. Uh, I mean, I'm staying up to watch it. I mean, even though it's on ESPN Plus and I could record it and watch it the next day, but who the hell wants to do that, man? Screw that. Screw that. All right, get into a little bit of boxing news, guys. Of course, the Fury versus Usyk fight has been rescheduled now. I don't know how much I got into that, but as you guys know, Fury sustained an injury to his eye. Uh, you know, nasty little cut on his eye that required stitches, and uh, it has postponed the fight on February 17th that was supposed to be a unified heavyweight fight between the two best in the heavyweight division, Tyson Fury and Ozalandic. Alexander Ustik, I think, man, his name is crazy. I'll just call him Usyk. But, uh, you know, it, it postponed that fight. Uh, we weren't for sure. They were talking maybe in June that fight would be rescheduled, uh, that maybe Usyk would fight Hergovic on February 17th. All that's been set to the side. Uh, Saudis have said, no, we want this fight to be the fight that happens. Uh, we're going to set up for May 18th as a rescheduled bout as May 18th for that one. Uh, will you know a lot of question if Fury will be ready at that time if that cut's going to be healed enough for him to fight we'll see they have also mentioned that if any fighter pulls out there will be a 10 million dollar uh fine pretty much for any of the guys if any one of these guys pull out of the uh rescheduled May 18th fight that's just what I'm hearing I'm not for sure if that's true or not but you know, that it gives a little incentive for nobody to pull out. But at the same time, you want both guys to be 100% healthy for this fight. Uh, that cut that Fury sustained on his eye looks like the same cut that he might have gotten against Wallen on the same eye. So maybe he might want to look more into that. Uh, hopefully that doesn't become a factor, get cut open like it did in the Wallen fight because it bled pretty bad there. Uh, but if you're Usyk, you might have a area to aim for find a weakness in him, and, uh, you know, you don't want to get a win by stoppage. I wouldn't want to get a win by stoppage, but sometimes, you know, boxing's boxing. If you hit a guy in the eye and it splits it open, again, there's not much you can do about that. You cannot aim for that eye. You know what I mean? That's part of your game plan. Uh, but I think it's just going to go more towards the body. Uh, chop down the tree, you know, to to get the tree to fall, you got to start from the bottom and chop and chop and chop, and that's what I expect Usyk to do against a guy like Fury. And Fury's now – he looked really lean uh, in the pictures that I saw. Like, he's taking this series, he's been working out. He's The way he looked against Ngane, fat, slow, sluggish. You know, he knew he couldn't come in against a guy like Usyk. Uh, people want to talk about Ngane. Oh, my God, he looked that good. No, Ngane looked basic, and uh, Fury looked basic in that fight, slow, sluggish. A guy like Usyk would box, 
and Gane's air off, uh, in my opinion. And I think Anthony Joshua will uh, beat Ngane. But, you know, we'll see when that comes down the road. But like I said, uh, Fury looked thin down. But the problem with that is if Usyk's going to go to the body now, that, you know, nobody's really ever tested Fury's body. And when he has taken body shots, he seems to react to those shots. So it seems to be a weakness point for him. And if you're Olazander Usyk, the uh, smaller guy, then you're looking to go towards that body. And now that he's slimmed down, he may have more of an impact and it may help you uh, take down this beast. This beast of a man, Tyson Fury. And he is a big boy, too. I'll tell you what, man. Hard to fight against a guy that size, uh, especially when he can box. He's no dummy. Uh, Fury's a hell of a boxer. So that's been uh, rescheduled, guys, for May 18th. Let's hope that that stays together because we got to see that fight, man. The only thing I'm hoping that doesn't happen between now and then is that the IBF decides to strip Usyk of his title for not fighting is mandatory. They are known for doing that. So that's not as far-fetched as what people might think it is. People are like, ah, I don't see him doing that. But they were hesitant to give him this fight versus Fury without fighting his mandatory Hergovic. Uh, and then there's rumors that they could possibly strip the winner of the fight of the IBF title because there is an automatic rematch clause, so which means that Hergovic wouldn't get that title shot until after 2024 and not till 2025. So I don't know if, you know, somebody can step in and tell the IBF that, hey, this is what's better for boxing to have a unified heavyweight champion, to not strip these guys of this title, to give Usyk that time to take the fight. And that, you know, how can you not argue that Fury should be the mandatory? How's Fury not the mandatory for the IBF? Like, you're, you, you say Hergovic is, but it's just all your opinion. If you look at the overall, it would clearly be Fury as the mandatory for Usyk, in my opinion, on any belt, any belt. WBA, WBC, WBO, IBF, whatever it is, whatever belt that's out there, the 500, 644,000 belts that are out there and the 6,444 champions doesn't add up. But, hey, they're getting paid, guys. They're getting paid for every one of those belts. So why not keep making new belts if you're going to get paid for it? Like Mayweather said, it's all about the fees, baby. Boxing being the wild, wild west, it's all about getting these guys that give you all their money while they go into ring and sacrifice their life and then they pay the manager the promoter the trainer and then what do they got left afterwards it's a tough sport guys tough sport needs to be unionized in my opinion uh no doubt about that boxing should be a unionized sports uh these guys should definitely be having some kind of retirement fund medical medical uh funds i mean you're you're in a you're in a combat sport you should definitely kind of have those type of things that basic workers in the world have you know, I'm a chef for a living. I don't take punches to the head, but I have health care. I have medical. I have, you know, I have dental, all that, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, it's all there to provide for me, my benefits, uh, you know, I mean, my retirement, all that. I can pay in the 401k, whatever. Uh, you know, a sport like boxing should definitely, you know, I don't know how you organize this sport, but somehow they got to find a way to organize it, man. Like Teddy Atlas says, you got to reform the sport to go to his site the fight with teddy atlas on youtube or maybe even just a page i'm not for sure but on youtube and sign a petition to try to reform the sport of boxing man let's see if we can get the ball rolling on that man start to get the sport organized but before we get too much in conversating about that let's get stay on track with some news uh, i thought it was pretty big news uh hearing that subaru mateus is no longer going to be with pbc and that he is signed on with Eddie Hearns and Matchroom 
boxing. Uh, this is uh, big news for me uh, because he's a really good young up-and-coming fighter. Very dangerous, very heavy puncher. The God, this guy's combination. Like, he will take, he'll let you throw everything at him the first two or three rounds. And then when he comes on, man, he comes alive and he is vicious. Absolutely vicious, guys. Uh, hard to beat this guy, man. Uh, so he has moved on to Eddie Hearns and match rooms. I think that's a big time uh, loss for PBC. Uh, but they've got so many people in that stable. It's not really much of a loss. They have a hell of a stable over at PBC. But you're losing one of the best in the uh, junior welterweight division. But now maybe that's a fight that you can make with Devin Haney. If he's now with Matchroom, you know, that just popped up in my head. Bing, like a bright light that pops up. Bing. That's what just happened there, guys. A bright light just popped up. And I thought, well, you know, you got the Devin versus Ryan talks back on the table. We never know how that's going to go. Uh, but supposedly both managers, promoters, whatever, are talking to each other. So that's always a good sign that you can get that fight going. But if not, then maybe even the winner of that fight go on goes on to fight Subaru Mateus. That's what I'm thinking, guys. Uh, that would be a nice little matchup, Devin Haney versus Subaru. Mateus or even Ryan Garcia. I think he, I think he sleeps Ryan. Uh, he might even sleep Devin. He lands one of those punches on these guys. It could be bad. He is a good fighter, man. I, I don't really know if anybody, if you haven't watched the kid, how good he is. He's out of Puerto Rico, and he wants his next fight to be in Puerto Rico. Uh, but he, when I tell you this guy is something really special, he's definitely something to watch if you've never watched him. And I think he gives any of the top guys, Teo, Devin, Ryan, uh, God, who else in that division? Uh, Ramirez. I mean, I know I'm forgetting a couple guys that I should be remembering, but he, he's definitely tops up there with any of those guys. Uh, Who's the one guy that, uh, Bar uh, yeah, yeah, Arthur Bar Barbosa. I'd love to see those two match up with each other. Uh, not for not for sure where, who Barbosa is with, but I'd love to see those two matched up, two good young fighters at that welterweight position. But, yeah, that was news out of that. I also got news today that the 5 verse 5 that I remember I talked about this on probably three or four, maybe five epi episodes ago, that Warren, uh, two promoters, Warren and Hearns over in the U.K., uh, two kind of rival uh, promoters have decided to do a five verse five and uh it wasn't really announced when that was going to come about when they were going to do it uh it just been announced that Saudi was going to back it and it was going to be uh a big event coming up so they were going to put their best five versus each other now it's been decided that they're going to do that on the undercard of the better b versus Baval fight on june 1st so not only are you going to get that great you know unified uh lightweight fight you're also going to get a five versus five of, you know, Frank Warren's best and Eddie Hearn's best fighters in the five versus five, and they're stable. That could get really exciting, guys. That's going to be a hell of a card to watch. Don't know what it's going to cost, but it might be worth every penny when you add that into it. Big time news. But, uh, hey, let's get into our new segment that we started on our podcast, man. I call this the day in, this day in boxing history, man. We'll go over a couple of things that happened in boxing history, and surprisingly enough, both things that I have today are both about the Sugars, Sugar Ray and Sugar Ray Leonard and Sugar Ray Robinson, guys. Uh, the Bronx Bull on this day, 
the Bronx Bull Jake LaMotta handed undefeated Ray Robinson his first career loss with a 10-round unanimous decision in Detroit, Michigan on this day in 1943. Now, everybody knows, in my opinion, I mean, I don't think anybody disputes it, that, uh, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson is the greatest fighter of all time. I think it's 129-2 and two, uh, in his whole life, 129 wins, two losses, some crazy-ass shit like that. So he's absolutely the greatest fighter to ever fight. So for him to sustain a loss, I mean, it says a lot about a guy like Jake LaMotta to give him his first loss, and he punched him through the ropes at one point uh, in the eighth round of that fight. I mean, go go look at the video on uh, if you can find it on YouTube. I don't know if there's footage, but it's definitely something I think I'm going to go in and watch. going to check that out later today, a matter of fact. Uh, but also on this day, Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray Leonard also made his pro debut, debut against uh, Luis Vega in a six-round bout where he just absolutely dominated the fight. Uh, winning it with ease and kicking off his Hall of Fame career on this day in 1977, man. So on this day in boxing history, we saw Sugar Ray Robinson take his first loss, and then we also saw saw, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard debut his first fight of his career. So that's kind of weird that on this day that happened, you know, uh, one in 1943 and one in 1977. So uh, that was pretty awesome to actually hear going on to this day in history. Uh, man, once again, guys, that, that will wrap up my show for this episode of Bourbon and Boxing. I hope you guys enjoyed, man. I wanted to give you a little bit of insight about myself uh, and also, you know, talk about the fights this week. Of course, I don't drink my bourbon on my recap shows, so I'm going to try to find a way to incur my uh, bourbon reviews into my Monday recap shows without making it too long because that's part of my Friday show, my bourbon review that I do because I drink my bourbon on Friday. Uh, so I've thought about bringing that review over to my Monday shows uh, so that you guys could kind of get an insight of bourbon also because the show is called Bourbon and Boxing. So I'd like to bring more of my boxing bourbon reviews in with you guys. I think I did it on my last one, but without making the show too long, like uh, you know, this week I did Elijah Craig, who was uh, considered the father of bourbon. Uh, you know, Elijah Craig's always good, uh, you know, bourbon. I had the small batch of that, which was pretty good. And uh, I've always enjoyed Elijah Craig. It's my wife's favorite. She loves the Elijah Craig rye. He is a father of bourbon and told all about his history, you know, being a preacher, owned a farm, a uh, slave owner back in those days. So I don't know. I think the site now gives credit to, uh, you know, the slaves that he had on his farm for helping him create bourbon because everybody knows that, you know, slavery started in the 1700s over in the U.S., and bourbon started out of Kentucky around the same time uh, that slaves had come over. Bourbon had kind of came onto the scene. Uh, it was a charcoal filter and a char filter that they kind of introduced uh, us, the, the Americans, to uh, the uh, Africans. Introduced that to the American, to, to the slave owner, shall we say, uh, without churching it up. But being uh, Black History Month, man, let's give credit where I think credit needs to be due. Uh, long time overdue. I talked about it with the Uncle Nearest uh, bourbon, how, you know, uh, Uncle Nearest was a slave uh, who taught Jack Daniels how to uh, distill bourbon. Uh, and he was the uh, distilling master for uh, Jack Daniels for years, and his family worked there for years, and they were a big part of the creation of Jack Daniels. Uh, bourbon and credit was due there and I think uh, Elijah Craig does give credit but they don't really name names and sometimes I feel like names 
need to be involved so that the families can get the proper recognition uh, that they deserve uh, for, you know, what their family members had done in the past and being part of something like bourbon and the history of bourbon. And I think we have to give more credit to the uh, Afri- to Africans uh, who had a char system and brought over and helped us create something like bourbon who, you know, Hey, America loves bourbon, baby, but the America is the melting pot, man. That's what makes us great is that we accept all cultures uh, around the world and we bring all people in, even though slavery was not a good thing. And I, you know, that's not what I'm saying there. We, we brought them over and then we enslaved them, which enslaving people was America's great. As far as the melting pot is when we got rid of slavery and then we, you know, we accepted the Irish and, and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, people from all the way around the world, Mexico, Mexico and China, and everybody is here in the U S that's pretty much what I'm getting to without making it sound like, you know, that I was saying slavery was a good thing. This slavery is definitely not a good thing. Not how I want to end the show. That is messed up. But Hey, without getting too deep with that was Elijah Craig that was the history of it uh he was pretty much a preacher and all this stuff and he charred his barrels and they said hey they it was a rumor that there was a fire and he had to use the barrels anyways uh but whatever it was he ended up using those charred barrels and it put the taste of bourbon it's what made bourbon bourbon so uh once again guys thank you for joining me for another episode of bourbon and boxing this is podcast episode 16 man i can't thank you guys enough for joining me and anybody taking the time to listen to my show man i appreciate you and i hope you tune in every week and i'll continue to do my show guys thank you so much for listening and i'll catch you guys next week man enjoy your week <laughs>